is a blessing to be up here just to share a little God's word tonight with you. Uh, and I just pray that whatever the Lord has put in my heart, that it will minister to you guys in a special way. And, uh, just want to ask one question. Uh, anyone here experiencing any kind of worry, anxiety? Anybody? So we have some honest souls out there. <laughs> um, well, to tell you the truth, for, for me personally, I have been experiencing some kind of some major worries uh, in the last few weeks. You know, what, one, one, one area that I've been worried about is, is the fact that, um, you know, I had to take a, a blood test, a, a prostate cancer screening test that uh, actually was abnormal last year, and I did, had some further testing, which came out negative, but I had to repeat it earlier this year, and... You know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, you know, is it going to still be abnormal? Is it going to be higher? You know, and of course, as a physician, I'm thinking the worst scenario, that it's higher and, you know, it's going to be prostate cancer. And so all that was going through my mind, you know, and, and I was worried about it the last few weeks, and that's why I even postponed it. I had the blood test this week, and it came out 80% um, lower, which came out to even low normal. So praise the Lord, you know. And, and the, the other area that I've been uh, worrying about is, uh, some of you guys know, it's my upcoming retirement. <laughs> it's, it's in about two to three weeks uh, that I'm scheduled to retire. That's after 30 years of practice. And um, so, yeah, thanks. So it's, it's a big change. You know, it's a new chapter I'm entering. And, um, but I can't help but worry, of course, that maybe, you know, the, again, back on my was thinking, well, Maybe I, uh, I'm not doing, that is not the right time for me. Maybe I should be, be, be retiring this early. Um, and so all that was going through my mind. I'm worried about all the details, the whole transition process. And I couldn't help but worry about that. And I'm still worried, you know. But again, uh, I, I was actually convicted by the Holy Spirit because uh, I found myself worrying all this. And, and here I am reading his word. And, and so really, um, it just uh, reminded me that uh, I need to trust in him, right? And, and I need to trust in his promises. And he has our back, right? And, and, and it's, it's his sovereignty in our lives that he allows these things to happen, but we, we're reminded that we need to trust in him. And of course, his word says that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So really, I didn't have any business worrying about those things. You know, and I, we, we, I should have just entrusted that to the Lord, and he has my back, and he did work things out for good. And I trust that even my retirement, uh, it's a sovereign will in my life that it's a good time, and he's going to use me in other capacities for his kingdom. But let's, so this evening what I, I, uh, what I, I wanted to do is, is share a little about the area of worrying for the Christian. Um, and, and it's the timing of it all. And, and so I titled the study, Do Not Worry. But let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. We thank you that you have brought uh, your people here tonight just to listen, Lord, to hear what you have uh, from your word, Lord. We uh, thank you that uh, it is your sovereign will in our lives. It is your providence that works so powerfully, Lord, in, in ways that you just miraculously intervene in, in, in times of need and we just ask that we just, just tonight, Lord, that you open our hearts and, and just help us receive, Lord, uh, on the things that you remind us of through your word, on, on the necessity of not to worry about anything, Lord, because we know you have our backs and, and, 
And we know that you will take care of us because you love us, Lord. And you will provide for us. You will protect us. So we just thank you that we could entrust that to you, Lord. And we do lift up the, the, the missions team uh, at Cambodia that are arriving this evening, Lord. We ask that you continue just to protect them, allow them to get there safely, Lord. And just feel every person uh, uh, overflowing with your spirit there, Lord, to really minister uh, the gospel to whoever they come across, Lord, those divine appointments, Lord, that you, by your spirit that, that you allow them to share, Lord, and that they see Christ in, 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 in and through them, Lord. So we ask that you be glorified in, in this whole mission strip, Lord, and bring them back safely, Lord, in Jesus' name. So worry is part of the human condition. You know, it's an emotion that, you know, brings forth anxiety and stress, doesn't it? And, and, and worry is a, a human response to something that's challenging uh, to us, to even challenging to our existence. And many of us ten, have a tendency to worry, right? I mean, there's a lot of worry warts out there, and, um, and that, that's just the tendency that some of us have, and actually all of us have, right, at some point or another. It, it is a conditioned response to any kind of adversity, um, and, and certainly... Uh, in the long run, it could have some, some serious repercussions uh, at, on, our, on our physical, mental, emotional, as well as our spiritual health. You know, so it does have some repercussions if we allow anxiety, worry to really uh, uh, be a part of, of our lives in, in, in a dominant way. You know, as a physician, I see a lot of patients that have, you know, high blood pressure, they've had strokes, diabetes, you know, they've had heart attacks, there's depression. And you guys know what the common denominator is on, on, the, on, on the contributing factor to those conditions is? Yeah, it's stress. It's stress. Ongoing stress and, and, and anxiety. Um, just uh, it takes a toll. You know, and, and worry means to divide, to tear, to rip apart, to pull in opposite directions. So to be anxious, according to Scripture, is to be torn apart by circumstance. Um, and some facts about worrying, 40% of the things people worry about never happen. And 30% of our worries are related to past matters, which are now beyond our control. And 12% of our worries have to do with our health, even when we're not actually ill. You know, so there's a lot of hypochondriacs out there, and I see a lot of those. Um, and 10% of our worries are about friends and neighbors and are not based on evidence or fact. So only 8% of our worries have some basis in reality. This means that 90% of the things that we worry about uh, really never happen. Um, so worry is a part of life. Worry certainly can take a large portion of our, of our thought processes, and, and worry can certainly take a major toll on people. Um, one writer in, re in reference to worrying said, uh, uh, worrying is, 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 interest, is that interest paid on trouble before it is due. You know, so another writer said, worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind. If encouraged, it will cut a channel so wide that all other thoughts will be drowned in it. Another writer said, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, Assurance of disaster and belief in defeat. And so another writer said, worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities 
with yesterday's troubles. So I, I realize that many of you may be experiencing some horrendous uh, uh, challenges that you cannot help but worry about. And, and it might be a financial worry. Maybe you've lost your job and, and you're worried about, you know, how am I going to put ta- uh, the food on the table for my family, my kids? Or maybe it's, it's, it's another kind of worry where, where you're just kind of worried about your health. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you don't know if it's something serious, going to see the doctor. You don't know it, which direction that's going to go. Maybe you are struggling with some serious medical condition like cancer, and you don't know which direction the cancer is going to go. You don't know how your body's going to respond to the treatment. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's something that's spiritual that you're worried about. Maybe it's a, your walk, your spiritual walk. Maybe you've allowed some compromise to come in, and you're worried about this compromise. You don't know how to handle it, so you, put, you can't help but worry about it. Maybe it's a, it's a loved one that you're worried about that's unsaved. And you're worried about their salvation. Or maybe it's a prodigal son or daughter that's gone wayward. And you're worried about them. So you can't help but worry about those things. And these are all legitimate reasons to worry. You know, but as Christians, I want to remind us that we are called not to worry about anything, right? You know, and and, and it is, you know, know, in Christ, he's given us everything that we need. We have victory in sin. Uh, over sin, we have that victory already, the, the, the battle's already won, and he's giving us that peace that surpasses all understanding. He's given us all the resources that we, at our disposal, right? We have his word, we have pr- the power of, and privilege of prayer, we have the Holy Spirit in us that helps us. You know, so, but in spite of all those many blessings in Christ, often do we as God's people, as God's children still worry about life and the challenges that come with it. Um, in 2 Peter 1, 3, 4, it says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So that tells it all, right? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of Him. And He's given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. What more can we ask? And we are more than conquerors, right? In Christ, we, you know, we, we, we we're given, uh, we're able to overcome the challenges of the world and this life. And He's blessed us again with all those divine resources um, that, that we as Christians can, can utilize. Um, so we as Christians are without excuse when we worry, when we're anxious. And some of you may be thinking worrying is not a sin. Who, 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 who thinks worrying is not a sin? Well, it is a, it is a sin. You might think it's a trivial sin, but it's a serious sin. Because why? What, what does worry do? You know, basically, it, it, it doubts God. It does not trust in the promises of God. It does not trust in His, in, in his, in his providence. And it's telling God, I know what your word says. I know what you've done for me in the past. But let me handle this situation. I'm not going to trust you in this situation. Let me try to handle this. And so we, we don't trust that the Lord will intervene in those situations. And so what happens? What's the outcome? We worry about it, right? We get, 
we get overwhelmed by it. And, and worrying is an offense to God because in worrying, we're not trusting in His righteousness, we're not trusting in His power, and we're not trusting in His hand of provision. So, what are we doing instead? We're trusting in our own righteousness, right? In our own efforts. I love the Proverbs 3, 5, 6. that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. The Lord is, is reassuring us. All we need to do is trust in Him. And He's going to lead and guide us. So for the Christian, worry is not a legitimate emotion. Now, having concern over challenges is a legitimate emotion, okay? It's okay to have a godly concern over any adversity, but it's not okay to be worrying about it, being overwhelmed by it, being uh, overly uh, obsessed by it, where you're just losing control and you're allowing this anxiety to just control every step. You know, so it, that could happen. And that's where the enemy would want us, right? And as God's people, we can lay our concerns and burdens on Him, and He will give us the wisdom. He will give us the guidance and strength to deal with those concerns in a godly way. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, what does the scripture say about how we as Christians need to deal with anxiety and worry? You know, how are we to respond to thoughts and challenges that worry us? Why, why don't we go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 25 through 34. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, as you're, as you're getting there, just to give you a background on here, uh, the setting, uh, these scriptures are the teachings of Jesus at, at the Sermon on the Mount. Along, he's a, they're along the Sea of Galilee. They're right there. He's teaching his disciples. He's also teaching all the followers there. And so he's giving these exhortations. He's, 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 he's giving them, really teaching them on spiritual beliefs and attitudes, spiritual disciplines expected for the follower of Jesus. And at the same time, he's exposing the wrong attitudes and the practices of the scribes uh, and, and, and the Pharisees. But in this chapter, uh, as we look at it, right before that, he has just covered, the, uh, he has taught on the areas of giving, uh, the area of prayer, and the area of fasting. But in verses 25 through 34 that we'll be looking at, he does touch on the material things, you know, on the physical necessities of life, the food, the water, the clothing. And he exhorts the people that they should not be worried about even those necessities. And as we read these verses, I want you to keep in mind three important facts and reasons why we should not worry as Christians. Number one, we should not worry because of our Father in heaven. He knows us, He loves us, He cares for us, He protects us, and He will provide for us, and He will sustain us. Number two, we should not worry because of our Christian faith. And number three, we should not worry because of our future. So let's read in, in verses 25 through 34 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, 
what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about it clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day as it, it's its own trouble. So Jesus in these scriptures is addressing the theme of not to worry, right? He's, he's, he's calling God's people not to worry. He mentions the phrase not to worry three times, right, in, in verses 25, 31, and 34. So the first point is we're not to worry, but keep the right focus. Okay, so we're not to worry, but keep the right focus. So he's telling God's people not to worry even about the basic necessities of life. And you might say, well, you know, how, how can we not worry about the basic things of life? And God, what he, does, he wants us to do, of course, is not get caught up with those basic mundane things that he could take care of. Um, and he does not want his people to really get bogged down with worrying about the temporal, the physical, the material needs. He, wants, he doesn't want us to be preoccupied uh, with those things. He will take care of that. And... He will take care of all those basic commodities. Um, so he doesn't want our affection to be on the physical stuff. He wants to have our affection, our attention totally on the temporal, I mean on the eternal, on the heavenly things, on things above, okay? So point number two, we're not to worry, but trust in God's provision. So we're not to worry, but trust in God's provision. So here in these verses, he's telling us, do not worry even for the basic necessities of life, food, water, and clothing. Why? Because God has provided for his people from the beginning, right? In the garden, what do we read about? Adam and Eve, he gave them full reign of the garden. All the fruits, uh, the trees that they had access to except that forbidden tree, right? So they had everything they needed. Perfect provision from God. And, and, and in the Old Testament times, we also see how God always was faithful to provide for his people, right, in the wilderness. You know, he provided the manna, he provided the water, even though they were sinful people, even though they were disobedient, God, in his grace, still provided for them. He was faithful in that. And in the New Testament, we, of course, we read about how Jesus provided for the apostles, right, when he miraculously filled the nets with the abundance of fish. And, and we also see how Jesus fed the 5,000 by multiplying the five loaves of bread and two fish. Perfect provision from God. So throughout history, God always provided for his people in ways only that he can. He is our sole provider. You know, and, and he is our all-sufficiency. He is our sustenance. And it's always in the perfect timing 
that he provides, right? And God doesn't want us to be preoccupied with worrying about those basics of life. You know, he's created us in his image. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, right? And, and he's given us that eternal gift of salvation. And how can we not think that he, he could provide for us those basic necessities of life? And, and, he, and, and he's, he, he could really, he was able to create life in us, and he certainly could provide the, the means to sustain our life, right? So we have to trust in the Lord. He is our perfect provider. Um, and I know many of us can share testimonies when God provided uh, for our basic needs in that perfect timing, right? I mean, many of us, you know, in, when things were not good, I'm sure, you know, the Lord just perfect, in his perfect time, he came in and he provided. I mean, who could attest to that? You know, God is good, right? He knows our every need. He knows when to come in and provide. And there was a, a great man of faith in the early 1800s. He was a great evangelist, preacher, missionary. Uh, his name was George Mueller. You know, he started an orphanage, totally trusting in God's provision to bring the resources to start to build the orphanage. And he even refused a salary uh, and instead chose to trust in God to provide for his own personal needs. And there was 300 children at one point in that orphanage. They didn't have any food. You know, and every day, what, what were they doing? George Mueller and the kids, they were on their knees. They were praying for that daily provision. And God was always faithful to provide in the perfect timing. There was always somebody that came and delivered the food for all those kids. And over the years, the 10,000 orphan kids that went through that orphanage, you know, they, they were blessed. And, and they saw the power of God answering prayer through his daily provision. And, and we see that power of God, right? We see his faithfulness as he provides for us. So we should not worry. You know, here in verse 25, telling us not to worry about the basic necessities of life. He will always take care of it. So in other words, don't get overwhelmed with the thought and stress of not having enough food or water or clothing. And I realize it's hard with in today's economy. Sometimes we, we do have... Uh, we struggle financially, and we cannot help but worry about those things. Um, but what does that do? It, it, it makes us kind of lose focus on the things of God and what he has for us, and we are totally absorbed with worrying about those things. So God tells us, don't worry about that, you know, because we're constantly worrying, overwhelmed, and we're, we're obsessed with it, and we just don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're, we're actually found, could be found useless for God's kingdom. You know, so it's really that mindset. And, and we need to realize that when Jesus was teaching at that time to the disciples and the followers, it was, a, it was at a time when material things, uh, the food, the water, the, the clothing was very scarce. You know, they had to, they had to plant, you know, for, to cultivate, they had cultivated to ultimately get fruit to eat. You know, there was, the, the water was scarce. It was, it was kind of up and down. They didn't know when they were going to have wa adequate water. Clothing, they had to make their own clothing. You know, so it, it was a time when it, you know, those things are very scarce, but yet Jesus tells them, don't worry about those things. So what did he want the people to do? To really trust in him, right? In his provision and really be walking in faith in total dependence on him. And that's what he wants from all of us, right? He wants us to walk in total dependence 
on him, on his sufficiency, on his provision, and not really be worried about it. He will take care of that. And how things have changed in modern time, right? I mean, we, we live in a, in, in a society that really exalts materialism. You know, there's a lot of resources we have at our disposal, right? I mean, we have the nice restaurants. We have the fast food places we just drive through, and, and, and it's convenient, right? We have the, the, the shops that we could go and buy clothes. You know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's our culture really uh, is making people live lives that revolve around satisfying the self and exalting the self. So you have the, the diets, right, the expensive diets, the expensive health clubs. Every, it goes on, you know. So people find themselves working themselves to the ground trying to uh, acquire many of those commodities. Um, but it is, uh, it is something that could make us lose focus. So Jesus asked the question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So Jesus is saying, is there not more to life than just food and water and clothing? The world would not think so, right? They live to eat, they live to drink, and they live to have the latest clothing. So... Jesus is saying there's a lot more to life than those basic necessities and the material things that people put so much emphasis on. So God has a greater purpose for us. He doesn't want us to get bogged down with these worrying about that stuff because he wants to use us, right? He wants us to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and he guides us on what he has for us. That's what he wants. He wants us to be aligned with his will. And, and if we start worrying about these basic necessities, being overwhelmed, and it, it actually blinds us to what the Lord has for us. So let's not worry about those things. In verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So no doubt, as Jesus was teaching here along the, the, the Sea of Galilee, it was probably a flock of birds flying by. And he's telling the people, look at, look at the beautiful birds up there. So if God in his sovereignty has created the birds, he in his sovereignty will also sustain them, right? And he has, what, has, what has he created in the, with the birds? He's created a natural instinct, right? For the mother bird to raise the, the baby birds, to build a nest for them, to really feed them. And, and, and the natural instinct to know when to migrate. So those are natural instincts that the Lord has created in them. Okay? And do you see birds worrying? Have <laughs> you ever noticed a bird worrying and anxious? Can you tell? They're happy, right? They're always singing. If you have parakeets, you have lovebirds, you have uh, parrots. <laughs> you know, they're always, they're always happy. They're not worried. They're not... Running, they're not flying to put things in a barn and, and start storing things and worried about the future. You know, so it says here um, that if God has taken care of the birds in his way, how much more will he take care of us who are his children? You know, so it's us that he's created in his own image, right? It's not the birds. And, and it's us that he's adopted uh, into his family and he's delivered us by the sacrifice on the cross, and, and he's promises that, that free gift of salvation. He's given us all things that pertain to life and God. All these things he's blessed us. 
He's blessed us with so much. Why wouldn't he want to take care of us? You know, so how much more, you know, would he want to provide for us? He's given us the gift of life, right? And, and, and with that, he's given us the means to sustain that life. It, it's, it's the gift of life. God is good, isn't he? You know, and he will sustain us. So Jesus is telling, telling us not to worry about these things. He will take care of it. Uh, but if we choose to worry, what are we doing? We're not trusting in God's word. We're not trusting in his promises. We allow ourselves to worry. We're not going to trust in his provision. And we're doubting the power of God. And this is where the enemy wants us to be. You know, Psalm, Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So as his children, we're able to cast our burdens on him. He will sustain us and we will not be moved. These are promises that in his word that reassures us that, there, that we need to entrust those things to him. And then it says uh, uh, in verse 27, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? What does that mean? I mean, a cubit is about 18 inches roughly from the elbow to the tip of the little finger. Now, is he saying here, you know, uh, referring to the idea of, you know, getting taller through worrying about it? I mean, maybe some of you do worry about you want to grow taller. And, but can we actually do that? You know, another translation is, 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 is not, do not worry about lengthening your life. Okay, so it's adding length to one's lifespan. So can anyone lengthen his lifespan by worrying? No, right? If anything, as I alluded to earlier, we can certainly shorten our lifespan by worrying and stressing. Uh, and we cannot worry ourselves to life, but we certainly can worry ourselves to death, right? Premature death, and that is a fact. So, you know, we live in a culture, again, where people are, 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 are worried about lengthening their life through all the mega vitamins, extravagant diets, colon cleansers, spending fortunes on, on, on supplements, health fitness centers. Some of these things are good. Don't get me wrong. You know, we, we are called to be good stewards of, of our body, take care of our body, so we could have a good quality of life, so we could be able to serve the Lord. But guess what? What does the word say? That we've all been appointed uh, 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 to die at some point, right? So it's already been determined. So... We cannot be constantly worrying about dying and worrying about what we can do to lengthen our life. But, and so we certainly could worry ourselves to death. In verses 28 through 30, it says, why, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? So those of you who have been blessed to visit Israel, you, you've seen the abundance of wildflowers, lilies. They're, they're, they're blossoming, especially in the, in the spring. And, and, and they, they naturally grow and show their beauty. Just a beautiful array of colors. You know, I can't wait to go to, to Israel next, next year and just to, to see that beauty. And he says that not even Solomon in his glory was arrayed like one of these. So the Lord here is reminding us that, you know, that if he can't clothe the beautiful flowers and grass, how much more would he want to clothe us as his children? You know, so don't worry about that. It's, but it's amazing, though, 
how those new fashions always coming out, right? And 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 we certainly could get overburdened making sure we want to wear the latest fashion, uh, and we have, you know, that we haven't that the that we spend so much money and resources on 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 that, uh, wearing the right clothes, and we could certainly get caught up with that, right? <laughs> that you go to the malls, what, how do they how are they advertising all these fashions? They they just want to lure you and entice you to come in there and spend a lot of money. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, it's good to, you know, you want to dress and look, you know, nice and all. But what I'm talking about is when you make shopping your God, when it becomes your idol, you know, and that's a problem where you are just totally absorbed with how you look, how, what you're wearing, and, and you put the things of God aside. And there's Christians that do that. You know, they, they're always shopping and they're born to shop. Uh, <laughs> So, this is uh, something that we, we need to be careful. Don't worry about those things. God will provide. Verse 30 says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So, Jesus here says, you of little faith. So, who is he addressing here? Is he addressing the, the Gentile non-believers or believers? Believers, right? You know, he did not say you of no faith. He said you of little faith. So point number three is we're not to worry, but walk by faith. And if we worry, what kind of faith do we manifest? Little faith. So we as believers may have, you know, we do have a saving faith and have that salvation promised to us. We, we, we believe that what God's word says. But the question is, are we truly going to walk by faith when those difficult seasons come? You know, when that adversity comes. Are we going to truly believe that God is going to intercede on our behalf and provide for our needs? Or are we going to be worrying about it and overwhelmed by it? You know, we're, we're reminded of Peter, right? What, what happened with Peter? He was a big worry wart, right, Peter? You know, he, remember when he, uh, he was uh, walking on the water and Jesus was right next to him? He, what was he worried about drowning, right, when he lost his focus? How about in the garden, Peter, when they were going to arrest Jesus? What did Peter do? What did he pull out? His sword, right? He didn't trust in what was going on. He wanted to just take things on his own hand. And we, we, we read about the, the disciples when they were on the boat, remember? In the storm and Jesus is asleep. The disciples are worried about what? Drowning, right? So what does Jesus rebuke them and says, you of little faith? So people of faith, Believers have a tendency to worry when they shouldn't. We lack faith when we worry. We should not worry because our Christian faith is not compatible with fear and anxiety. You know, so when we worry and let fear and anxiety overwhelm us, we are believing in the lies that many times the enemy will create in our minds. So verse 31 and 32 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So point number four is we are not to worry because we are not like the world, right? So what do the non-believers do? How do they handle worry? What, what do they do? They, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, right? They don't, have a, they don't know the Lord. They don't know His Word. They can't understand or discern God's Word. So what do they do? They worry, right? They worry themselves to death. 
they, they struggle, they're, 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 they try to be self-sufficient. They can't rely on anyone else but themselves. So they worry, worry, and worry. But we, of course, as Christians, we're, we're called to be different, right? You know, we're not to blend in the ways the world does, and we're called to be different in the way we respond to these adversity, uh, times of adversity. We're not to worry the way they do. Again, we're, we have these resources available to respond differently. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question to ask is the way I view life and its challenges like a non-believer or a believer? You know, so is my faith manifested in my adversity or not? Am I being a good witness in the way I handle the adversity? Or am I choosing to worry and negatively affect the way I live and, and, and thus make, be a bad witness to, uh, as a Christian? You know, so those are important questions. The second part of verse 32 says, for, you, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So point number five is that we're not to worry because our Father loves us and knows us. You know, and we serve a Father who knows His children, who knows our every need, and He's faithful to provide for our every need, right? And that's what we hang on to. In Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, it talks about that. Uh, part of that, uh, I won't read through it all, but it says... Um, or what, what a man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You know, my kids are, are grown up now, but I remember when they were younger, uh, I made sure that I provided for their needs. My, my wife and I made sure that we provided for their basic needs. So they never uh, had to worry about that. They, they, they trusted that we were going to provide, and we did. And we were not saved. You know, we were sinful, but yet we were able to provide for those basic needs. So what the Lord's saying here in the Scripture is that how much more does our Father in Heaven, who is sovereign and sinless and faithful to His children, will He provide for our every need? So God sustains His people. God loves His children. He knows his children, and he will always provide for us. And we need to remember that. Our God will supply us of, of all of our needs according to uh, his riches in Christ Jesus. So what are we to do? You know, so we, we've been kind of talking about do not worry about these things. So wh what's the solution? I mean, in verse 33, it tells us. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added uh, uh, for, uh, to you. So, what does seeking his kingdom first and his righteousness entail? What does that mean? Of course, it means, you know, not worrying about the temporal things of the world, but seeking his kingdom. It, it, seeking the eternal things, it means setting our minds on things above, right? It means having that desire to fulfill the ministry that God has for us, Right? And it also means dwelling in His Word first and foremost, having that devotion, being in prayer, really studying His Word. That's important. What, is, what else does it mean? It means having a heart for the lost. It means seeking to advance the kingdom by preaching Christ to others. And really 
It also means uh, yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing the transformation to occur in our lives. Being obedient to the work of the Holy Spirit. And it also means, of course, being faithful in the ministry, serving Him, not only here at church, but in the ministry that He has for us at home. You know, are we being the godly fathers, the godly husbands? Are we being, are, are you guys being the godly wives and godly mothers? Those are important ministries. Are we being faithful to that? And that also entails seeking first the kingdom. Because it, it makes a big difference. How about in our workplaces? You know, we seek his kingdom by being that excellent employee at our workplace where others see Christ in us. We magnify Christ in our good work ethic. You know, so that also is seeking his kingdom first. And of course, ultimately, we seek his kingdom by living in anticipation of Christ's return. So in verse 34, it says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Number seven, point number seven says, We are not to worry by worrying about tomorrow. So do not worry about the future. Who worries about the future here? The future will have its own problems, okay? So don't worry about it. It's okay to plan and provide for the future, but it's not good to worry about it and be overwhelmed by what lies ahead. It's not good to be overly obsessed by what's, what's ahead of us. What, what's the future for us? It's not good. You know, we, we, why worry about the future when we know that whatever plans he has in store for us are plans to prosper, right? And the future he has for us is one of hope. So why worry about the future? We as Christians have a glorious future in Christ, don't we? You know, and he not only has promised us abundant blessings here on earth, but ultimately the glorious future that awaits us in the presence of the Lord through eternity. So we hang on to that. Don't worry about the future. It's already taken care of. The Lord has taken care of it through Christ. Romans 8.28, I love the, the verse. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So worry can and will defeat us by worrying about today and worrying about the future and even worrying about the past. So people lose their joy of today because of the worries of tomorrow. And we are to walk in the fullness of joy as Christians, aren't we? Do not let the worries of tomorrow steal your joy of today. The worst thing to see is a Christian who's walking without any joy at all. It's been wiped away because they're worried about all these other things from the future, from the past, even the present. So, you know, they're crippled spiritually by the fear of the future. So God gives us the resource to deal with the troubles of today, right? I mean, his word says that his mercies are new every day so he's given us a resource to handle every day deal with the issues of today and do not worry about tomorrow live for today for what no one knows what tomorrow holds for us right so god knows so what what are we to do when we worry and these anxieties start to infiltrate our minds in in in, in second corinthians 10 4 5 it says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
So point number eight is that we're not to worry, but hold every thought captive. And worrying is an anxiety or fear that has the capacity to infiltrate and dominate one's mind. And many times the enemy will capitalize on that and instill more lies to a point where the Christian cannot focus on what the Lord has for him. Because it's all anxiety, fear in the, in the mind. And, 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 and we're, 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 here the scripture tells us we're to keep every thought captive, filter out the unrealistic fears and anxieties that the enemy tries to throw at us. And so if there's a certain thought that comes to our mind that brings worry, we need to ask ourselves, is this thought real, first of all, or is it from the pit of hell? You know, is this from the enemy who's the father of lies, bringing one more light to my mind? And what, we have the Holy Spirit in us, right, that helps us filter these thoughts that come to our mind and, and helps us to discern where they're coming from. So we are to filter out those negative and condemning thoughts. Now, if the thought is real, and maybe God is trying to do a work in that, and just ask the Lord, help me, Lord. What do you want me to do with this? And entrust that to him. Don't worry about it. Entrust it to him, and he'll take care of it. So... Holding every thought captive in this way to the obedience of Christ. Filtering the thoughts of worry in this way, you know, is important by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians uh, uh, 4, 8, 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So point number nine is we are not to worry, but we are to meditate on the good things, okay? So meditating on the positive things, the positive thoughts, and, and that will give us a peace in the adversity. And that's so important. Don't uh, fall to the sin of worry. It helps us by meditating on the good things, okay, the the positive, the pure, the holy. And in Philippians 4, 6, 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So last point is we're not to worry, but ultimately be praying, right? Uh, ultimately, the battle against the sin of worry is fought on our knees and turning to the power of prayer. How often do we do that? You know, we should be doing it every time. And the enemy knows that if we're, we're on our knees praying. He knows that he doesn't have us there, you know, and, and he will continue if we're, not allow, if we're not utilizing the power of prayer to attack us. So it's through prayer that we could express our anxieties and fears to God, right? We communicate that to Him. We entrust those things to Him. And it is through prayer that the Holy Spirit will guard our hearts and minds against those worries and anxieties that the enemy tries to throw at us, condemning thoughts, those thoughts that are not good, those thoughts that want to really instill fear in us. So we pray about that. And, and of course, through, through prayer, it gives us a confidence and strength on dealing with through that adversity, and ultimately, it's through prayer that we find peace, right? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That peace, really, that we remove all those anxieties and fears. It, it comes from the Lord. He brings that peace. And, and that's what we want as Christians. How, that's how we 
should be handling those times when the tendency is to worry. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on His Word. Rely on His promises. And He will bring that peace. And I love the, the scripture, the verse in Isaiah 26, 3, 4. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in, in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. There's perfect peace in him. He brings that perfect peace to us. And that's what we, we all want to be, at a place of peace and not of worry and not fretting. I'd like to close by reading uh, Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. You know, it's a beautiful prayer that we can reflect on during these times of worry. Uh, let's go ahead and read that in Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5. Uh, it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit 